Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Every day. Every day. All right, it is episode number 265 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. Good to have you with us right here on LOR. I am your host, Chris Russell. As always, good to be with you. And thanks, as always, for listening and downloading the podcast right here on LOR. So we got a lot to get to uh, in this episode, episode number 265. We're going to hear the final part of our Giants defensive preview with Patricia Trena. We're also going to follow up on some things that we addressed in episode number 264, uh, behind the scenes about the Redskins. Uh, we're also going to get to our outside linebacker unit preview. Uh, and we're also going to talk about the Redskins' new enhancements at FedEx Field. But we start with uh, some sad and sobering news, um, to be honest with you. And that is Albert Hainsworth. Uh, who could forget Albert Hainsworth, right? Albert Hainsworth has announced on his Instagram account that he needs a kidney transplant and that his kidneys have basically shut down as of July 7th. Uh, the, you know, again, July 7th, j- just just a couple of days ago. Um, and it is incredibly sad to see this for any human being, right? Um, no matter what you think of Albert Hainsworth, and we all know that he was a complete and utter disaster here in Washington, but he was a very good football player with the Tennessee Titans, two-time Pro Bowl, defensive tackle, obviously earning uh, that faith from the Redskins. Again, it was a disaster of a move. Uh, he He hated everything about being here uh, and did everything he could to get out of here. It it, it makes no sense to just go over the bad blood and the spilled milk and all that stuff. He's 38 years old. He's 38 years old. He played 10 seasons in the NFL. Titans, 15th overall choice in 2002. Seven years in Tennessee. Two years in Washington. Six games with the Patriots. Seven games with the Bucks to finish the 2011 season. And that was it for his career. He hadn't played since. And at 38 years old, to see the picture that he posted on his official Instagram page, to see the picture of him hooked up to all these wires and all these cords and life-saving medical equipment, and for him to... Be as desperate as the message was is pretty sobering. No matter what you think of Albert Hainsworth, if you have any ounce of humanity in your body, and I'd like to think y'all do, no matter what you think of Albert Hainsworth and his time here, and it was bad, you can't help but look at this picture and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe This is the same guy that was here in 2009 and 2010 and was the biggest free agent signing and arguably bust in NFL history. He's 38, and he's hooked. And I know people die younger. I got it. 
I understand all of it. I'm not saying he's the only one. But it is hard to fathom. It is hard to fathom how the body can fail one in that amount of time, right? He, as part of his Instagram message, said, quote, Well, this is hard for me to say, but my doctor said I should reach out to my family, friends, and fans. Some of you may know I've been battling kidney disease for a few years now. The time has come, family, friends, and fans. I'm in dire need of a kidney. Mine have finally failed me on July 7th, 2019. It's hard to believe from being a professional athlete to only eight seasons in retirement that my body has taken another major blow. First with the brain aneurysm three years ago, uh, three seasons out of the NFL, to now my kidney's failing me. But the bright side of the latest ordeal is I can ask. And he goes on a couple other things for somebody to generously donate a kidney. He's at the Williamson Medical Center in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, go to his official Instagram. It's Hainsworth III. It's, it's, it's authentic. It's real. It's desperate. Uh, it's sobering. But you can help out Albert Hainsworth if you choose to do so. If you know somebody that can donate a kidney, do it. If you know somebody that can help, do it. Not just because it's Albert Hainsworth, but just because it's the right thing to do. I know there are many, 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 many other people that need organ donation. So I'm not saying just do it because of Albert Hainsworth. Just do it. And if it so happens to help Albert Hainsworth or help somebody else, so be it. So be it. So I wanted to start with that tough news that we were hit with Wednesday night and realize that, look, life is short, life is precious. And no matter what you think of an individual and no matter how much resentment you might have for how things worked out, you have to not only feel for a guy like Albert Hainsworth, but you have to go, oh my gosh, if it could happen to him, it can happen to anybody, right? It can happen to anybody. It can happen at any time. I'm scared to death. I got to be honest with you. Scared to death. Uh, I mean, you have no idea whether you're going to drop dead of a heart attack or whether you're going to come up with some sort of horrible disease or, you know, I'm scared to death. I live every day of my life scared to death. Uh, Just be honest with you. Being as totally real as I can be. I live every day of my life in fear. I should do more about it. I should. I don't. I don't do enough. But this is why, because no matter how much money you have, no matter how much you think you have in life going for you, kids, no kids, job, whatever, 38 years old. And quite honestly, and I don't know if, I I don't know quite the severity of it, meaning, I mean, it seems like it's pretty real, pretty legit in terms of he's saying his kidneys failed him and he needs a kidney. I don't believe it's two, but I, you know, he needs a kidney. A few years of kidney disease is nothing to mess with. And it causes other problems. But just do something to help if you can. If not, for Albert Hainsworth, 
but for somebody else. So I wanted to open up the show and the podcast like that, sending the best wishes to Albert Hainsworth. Um, let me just do one more thing on this. Listen, he again, he was a complete and utter failure here. I got it. I wasn't close to him at all. I covered him both years that he was here. Um, but when I did talk to him, I didn't find him to be this horrible, horrible person. Uh, I'm not here to suggest that he was a good person. He made plenty of mistakes. He did plenty of damage to himself, and all of it was on him, and all of it was his fault. The Redskins should have known better. They were warned. They didn't. So some of it was on the Redskins, but a lot of it was on Albert. No matter what happened, no matter what I thought of him, no matter how frustrating it was to cover him, I remember him getting kicked off the practice field in 2009, Jim Zorn's last year on Christmas Day. I remember the nonstop drama in Mike Shanahan's first year, Jim Hazlitt going to the 3-4. He wasn't happy about 3-4, 4-3, this position, that shade, that zero, all that. He hated everything. Albert destroyed himself in Washington and in his NFL career. But nobody deserves this. Nobody deserves this. I didn't find him to be a horrible, horrible person. The limited couple chances that we were given to talk to Albert Hainsworth. I don't know him. I don't pretend to know him. I just covered him for two years. But my sense was he wasn't as horrible of a person as certainly the image that he created. And he largely alone created. So I'll just end it like that. All right, that's going to do it for this opening segment. A couple of thoughts uh, on that. Get well, Albert. And if somebody can help, obviously, again, go to his official Instagram page uh, and you can help out uh, as well. When we return, we'll come back and we'll talk about a couple of the new enhancements at FedEx Field from a food and hospitality standpoint as well. We'll take a quick look at the outside linebackers as we continue our unit-by-unit training camp preview as we lead you up till training camp two weeks from right now, right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. It is episode number 265. Thanks for being with us. All right, we welcome you back. It is episode number 265 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. So the Redskins on Wednesday night had their annual showcase and FedEx field open house uh, where they introduced new stadium amenities and menu items and special benefits available to season ticket members and suite holders. Uh, at FedEx Field. And this is often like a media fun event because you get to eat uh, for free. But a couple of the new things in case you're coming to FedEx Field this year, uh, in case you are a season ticket holder that you may not be aware of, uh, the Redskins uh, have new food and beverage offerings from Guy Fieri uh, and a new concession stand called, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's modeled obviously after Guy Fieri. It's called Chicken Guy. Uh, And they also have Johnny Rockets Crunchy Bacon Avocado Ranch Burger. That sounds great, except for the ranch. They should put blue cheese on it, but that's okay. Also, a slow-roasted beef brisket grilled cheese. Uh, More different local craft beer and cocktail selections. uh, Different menu options, such as Ben's Chili Bowl and their veggie chili dog and their vegan chili. Uh, And then they have all sorts of different refined sugar-free and gluten and dairy-free. They have boardwalk fries. They have new funnel cake fries, paisanos, 
which is a big sponsor of the Redskins, can deliver pizza to fans seated on the main concourse. How about that? Sweet holders, expanded menu, packages highlighted by P.F. Chang's uh, and prepared, of, of course, at a tremendous price, uh, to sweets, right? They have uh, a new concept, the Devil's Backbone Brewing Company. Uh, they have their new hashtag ATTR goal will be available at FedEx Field during regular season home games uh, and events, draft 16-ounce cans. Uh, they have, um, in addition to that, they have the Bud Light Party Pavilion and Concourse, which is in the east end zone of the stadium. Uh, it is a fan interactive zone. It's open, uh, you know, three hours before kickoff, 90-foot bar, live bands. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good atmosphere down there, and if you want to have some fun, uh, go right ahead. Chris Bloyer, Senior Vice President of Stadium Operations and Guest Experience, says the ideation uh, for this year's improvements came from our fans. So they're showing you right away. They're listening uh, to their fans. Quote, it's our job to listen and we can and do everything we can to continuously improve the game day experience. What we have done so far this year is just the beginning. We talk to our season ticket members every day and continuous improvement is what drives us to give our fans the game day experience they deserve, end quote. So that's great. That sounds awesome. Um, that sounds tremendous. It, it doesn't always work out that way. Like, they take the input of the fans, they get ideas, they get concepts, and then they try and work them, and they try and model them. Uh, but here's the bottom line. If they really, really, really listen to their fans, they would lower the prices. If they really listen to their fans, they would significantly lower the prices. We're not talking about $8 for a beer or $5 for a beer. We're talking about, you know, like lower your prices, $2 for a beer, $3 for a beer, whatever. You want fans back in the ballpark or ballpark at FedEx Field? Slash the ticket prices. You want fans back at FedEx Field? Don't charge parking. You want fans back at FedEx Field? Don't charge $13 for a beer. You want fans back at FedEx Field at all these great new stands? Don't charge $13 or $14 for chicken tenders. That's a way to get back fans when you can't necessarily have direct control over the product. And the Redskins honestly don't choose to do that, nor do many other teams. But other teams in other sports, even in the NFL, certainly in baseball, basketball, hockey, you see it all the time. They offer all sorts of strong game discounts. Take the Tampa Bay Rays now. Obviously, they're in a very difficult... They were offering $2 tickets last week against the Baltimore Orioles. How about doing that? You want fans back in the building? You want that energy? You want that situation? Do that. Do that. And they don't do it. I wish the Redskins would do it. You want 80,000 people there? Give them a reason to go. You're only listening to your season ticket holders. You're only listening to your premium suite people. That's the only people you're listening to. That's a problem. That's a problem. So you've got to get better in that area. You've got to get better in that area. But still, you give the Redskins a little tip of the cap for trying to make some improvements to a tough situation. Again, football product is kind of mediocre right now. Hopefully, it'll be a lot better. Hopefully. The stadium is what the stadium is. 
They're trying to make some enhancements and some fan-friendly based off all that stuff. Great. They got to lower the prices. If they truly want the home crowd atmosphere back, give something back to your fans. Instead, you charge premium prices and still get frustrated when people don't show up for a mediocre product, quite honestly. Quite honestly. So that's that. All right. Uh, I wanted to get to this. The Redskins' outside linebacker situation uh, is a pretty strong one this year, I think. We all know that Ryan Kerrigan is the leader of this particular group, but it's more than just Ryan Kerrigan, who continues to put up double-digit sacks each and every year. For the Redskins' sake, continues to play every single game, continues to just churn away and just give you workmanlike efforts. Ryan Kerrigan is everything you could ask for. I mean, again, he doesn't have blazing speed or anything like that. He's not great at stopping the run. He's fine. But Ryan Kerrigan plays every day, never going to cause a problem, humble, never going to say anything negative, critical, alarming, anything like that. Uh, I love the guy. Been around him his whole career. I've known him since the day he got drafted, before he even got drafted. Ryan Kerrigan's the man. Montez Sweat. We had a five and a half minute or so exclusive interview with him a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how honestly how many more exclusive interviews I'm going to get because uh, uh, you know some people might be mad at me. Let's just leave it at that. Montez Sweat, first round selection, second first round pick. I think Montez Sweat is going to have eight, nine sacks this year. I think Montez Sweat is going to be a force also against the run, long arms, athletic, freaky type size skill. Once he gets comfortable, I think clearly he'll be the starter. I don't know if he'll be the starter right away. I think Ryan Anderson will probably be the base starter, but expect that to change pretty quickly. Ryan Anderson had a pretty decent year in limited snaps, less than, I think, 200 snaps last year. But remember that big play made in Tampa, punching the ball out in the end zone from the 18-yard line, forcing one of those six turnovers on the day? Uh, Ryan Anderson is not a great pass rusher. He's not great in coverage. He's all right. He's pretty decent at stopping the run, physical, seals the edge. I think Ryan Anderson is going to continue to get better and better. I don't ever think he'll be a great player. I think he'll be a good, solid player. And I think he's part of a three-man rotation, first and foremost, to start. Now, the Redskins also have younger guys like Marquise Flowers, Casanova McKenzie, uh, Jordan Brailford, who they spent the final draft pick on, seventh round. I think the Redskins have pretty, again, decent, decent options for a fourth outside linebacker. Uh, They probably could get away with not taking a fourth outside linebacker, if we're being honest, because of Ryan Kerrigan. The problem is you just when you think you, you have that on lock and you spend another roster spot somewhere else, you've got to bring in somebody. And that, of course, would mean no Brailford, no Casanova McKenzie, no Marquise Flowers. So I expect them to bring a fourth outside linebacker. The guy that I was intrigued by, and I mentioned him a couple of times on the podcast last year when I took it over from Nick, Casanova McKenzie. He showed me some wiggles, some bursts, some explosion off the edge. I would say he's my guy to watch. If I had to make a long-shot 53-man roster projection to start week one, I don't know if he'll be active on game day. I doubt it. Casanova McKenzie. Casanova McKenzie. Uh, He showed me something before he got hurt last year. I was disappointed to see him get hurt 
because I wanted to see more out of him. I'm looking forward to seeing him down at training camp. All right, that's our outside linebacker unit preview. When we return, Patricia Trana finishes up on the New York Giants defense. That's next on LOR. All right, we're back right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast, episode number 265. Here's Patricia Trana finishing up with the New York Giants and their defensive preview. You mentioned the pass rush and where's it going to come from. I don't think, you know, I mean, obviously someone's going to end up leading the team in sacks, but I think you're going to see pressure coming from all all different angles. You're going to see some corner blitzes. You're going to see some safety blitzes. You're going to see some guys coming off the edge. You know, they, they, they're they expecting, you know, uh, Lorenzo Carter, who is going to step in, I believe, for Olivier Vernon now. Uh, they're they're looking for him to make a big step forward. They're looking for Marcus Golden, the former Cardinal, to bounce back and and play like he did before his injury. So, you know, a lot of optimism, but there also a lot of youth, and it has to come together. And the good news for Giant fans is that in the spring, that defensive unit looked like it was coming together quickly. There were there weren't many broken down coverage. Mm-hmm or busted coverages, which which I thought was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a credit to, you know, the job being done by the two safeties and the cornerbacks, um, the communication that's going on. So th- this was actually a competitive spring to where, you know, you know how like one side always looks better than the other? Well, mm-hmm. I thought both sides act- looked just about equally as well, you know, as good. And, and it was just, you know, it was very encouraging. Now, again, this is without pads. This is at a slower pace, but you got to start somewhere. And I, and I was very encouraged by what I saw in the spring from both sides of the ball. Yeah. And sometimes I, and I know they drafted Deandre Baker. I, I know they have some names and I know they have some talent, but sometimes defensive units or and or offensive units but it's usually based on my experience i'm not sure about you know you know your experiences with this sometimes like defensive units without a lot of big names gel together quicker easier faster and somehow some way they become a good defense and it maybe looks like if i'm reading between the lines here in your words and what you observed with your very own eyes and your expertise that maybe maybe this is a case of just that yeah, I mean, look, if, if you go back in the Giants' history, they've always had some some star power on their defenses, right. you know, sure. especially the years that they won the Super Bowl. The 86, Taylor, Carson, uh, Banks, you know, 1990, uh, Taylor, uh, I think Banks was on that team as well. 2007, Strahan, Yumura, uh, Tuck, um, and, and you can go on and on. So you're always going to have – at least one big name, one marquee player, I think, regardless of, of, of who the team is. But this year, you know, the Giants defense, I, I don't think, you know, they had that guy has stepped up and, and said, hey, I'm going to be the stud on this team. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing because if everybody's working together and everybody is, is, is you know, playing off of one another like, you know, a defense should, you're right. You know, sometimes – What's that old expression? I always get it wrong. The the whole, the sum of the parts. Sum of the parts. 
some some of the parts is better than uh, than the whole, is it? <laughs> oh, the whole is better than the whole is more than the. Yeah. You you know what I'm trying to say. I yeah, always, no, 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 exactly. I, I, I mean, no, I know exactly what you're trying, and I and I butchered the the saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's the whole is is more than the sum of the parts, or something like that. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I know exactly know. what you're trying. But I just wrote this expression too the other day too, so you think it would be in my head. But, but yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. So yep. um, the the point being is is you know look this is a young defense they do have some some experienced guys in there you know they have Alec Ogletree as one of the inside linebackers Marcus Golden um, who's been around Janoris Jenkins uh, who was retained uh, this year so you know it's a good mix and I just think you know it's kind of like planting a bunch of seeds you know as you watch your garden grow it can be quite beautiful if if it's if it's taken care of and it grows the right way so I kind of see that kind of like with, with with the Giants defense yes there's a lot of youth but there's a lot of promise and I think James Betcher the defensive coordinator finally has what he needs to make this defense into his image interesting interesting breakdown there because that that is you know for all the talk of the offense and the dysfunction and the drama nobody has talked about the Giants defense and yet you know maybe that's what they'll ultimately be able to hang their hat on over the course of the long regular season well Patricia uh, this has been awesome to catch up with you and uh, uh, you've provided me with content for many different shows here and a really good deep thorough look uh, at really an interesting offseason I, I don't know what what front office and what organization had the more interesting offseason but there's a lot of drama both in East Rutherford uh, and here in Washington and beyond and all I know is we get to do this a couple of times during the regular season and we get to watch each other uh, in terms of the teams all throughout the season and ultimately in the end it'll probably be the Redskins and the Giants battling for who doesn't suck more how about that (laughs) oh goodness be a little bit more optimistic come (laughs) on now (laughs) <laughs> all right maybe maybe i should be a little bit more i mean it's just hard to think that they're going to be better than the than the cowboys and the eagles but that's why we play the games right and we never exactly. ever know how these things are going to work out exactly you never know sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle and and and, and they surprise you so you just yeah. don't know Absolutely. Before we wrap up and before we say goodbye, I think I've pumped uh, a, a bunch of different things. Am I missing anything? Locked on Giants, uh, InsideFootball.com, Forbes, uh, on anything else that you want to throw out there? Yeah, but I, I, I'm the uh, the Maven, New York Giants site. That's uh, maven.io slash NYGiants. You can also find um, contributions from me on Big Blue View which is a uh, part of the SB Nation family. So like you, Chris, I'm all over the place, but I try and, you know, give good content. I try and give original content, get you guys thinking about, you know, what's going on with the Giants. I love to talk salary cap. I try to look at statistics and, and, and take them in a different direction. So hope you guys check out my work. And I do appreciate, you know, everybody who follows and listens. And I appreciate you, Chris, for having me on. All right, that is Patricia Trana. We thank her for all of her help and time and energy and efforts in setting up a multi-multi-podcast look at the New York Giants. You can pretty much capture uh, a six-part look at the New York Giants on offense, front office, behind the scenes, and defense uh, over the last six episodes of the uh, Locked on Redskins podcast. I just want to finish up uh, by saying, listen, I created some headlines. I created some waves, a couple of stories that I mentioned and reported. We mentioned it on episode number 264. 
I did want to say that I, I did probably cross the line uh, with Bruce Allen, and I did make a little bit of a, uh, I guess, a personal attack, or I made it personal, I should say. Uh, and I do apologize for that. Um, I went a little bit too far, and the, he doesn't deserve that. I don't need to be going down that road. Um, and, and I did this largely on my radio show. I didn't really do it here. Um, so I just wanted to say, you know, I apologize uh, for that. I, I try very hard to be honest and critical without being a jerk, and I was probably too much of a jerk. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, if you have any questions, you can uh, email me, russellmania09 at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Locked Redskins or me individually on Twitter at russellmania621. That's going to do it for us, episode number 265 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us. Adios.